This is Pastor Chris Simak from the Potter's House Eastside. This sermon was recorded on the 7th of March, 2021. We'd just come out of our fourth lockdown here in New Zealand. And the title of this sermon is Cast Your Nets. It's Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. The clip that you just saw there was from a fantastic show called The Chosen. Uh, there's been many films made over, over the years of Jesus' life. Uh, this one has to be the best one, in my opinion, without doubt. Uh, it is a fantastic film. Uh, it's in multiple parts. It's like a TV series, different things, except it's not on TV you can watch most of it on YouTube or you look up the app The Chosen. That's my plug for The Chosen. It's very, very, very good. Uh, but the clip that you just saw there uh, was a very famous clip. And we're going to read it in the Bible now. Uh, was when uh, the first four disciples were called. None of them knew who Jesus was. Jesus hadn't really been revealed to anybody yet. Uh, he didn't really have disciples. He had people that heard him preach Uh, But that was as far as it had gotten up until that point. Uh, So right now we're going to look at the prequel to last week in a sermon that I've entitled Cast Your Nets. Or if you want the longer uh, sermon title, it's If You Want to Walk on Water, Then You Have to Get Out of the Boat to the prequel. Uh, We're going to look at at Peter Uh, again last week. We looked at when he walked on water and how all of that happened. But here he is right at the beginning uh, of the story. And would you read with me in Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. It says, So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. He saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them. They were washing their nets. Then he, this is Jesus, He got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And then he sat down and taught the multitudes from the land. So all of that part happens before the clip that we saw. Uh, Here's Jesus. He's basically taken, stolen is maybe too strong a word, but he's like, uh, this is cool. Uh, I'm going to get on a boat and preach from a boat to the people on the shore. Uh, And then verse four is where the clip starts says, and when he, this is now Jesus, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. But Simon answered and said, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. In verse six, he says, and when they'd done this, they caught a great number of fish And their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And when they came, they filled both boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Verse 9, it said, For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And also where James and John... The sons of Zebedee, these are the guys in the other boat, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid, from now you will catch men. So when they had brought the boats to land, they forsook all and followed him.
Hallelujah. Let me look firstly with you at the crisis. And this is the crisis that we're introduced to in verse 5. When Peter says to Jesus, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. We have toiled all night and caught nothing. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, Jesus, I hear you. I hear you, but you don't know my situation. I hear what you're saying, Jesus, but you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've been through. He's saying, Jesus, I heard your sermon. You stood on my boat. You preached your sermon. uh, And I heard that. But listen, that doesn't work in my situation. How many times have we heard that from people? How many times we present a concert and we might present uh, the gospel in the format of music? And we'll do every type of music, hallelujah. Uh, if, we have to, if, if I have to rap, I've never rapped before, hallelujah. But if I have to rap, then that's what we're going to have to do, right? Uh, if we, any type of music, that's what we're going to have to do to try and present the gospel. Sometimes we do it in drama, like we went and saw at Onihanga the other night, right? Sometimes we do it in a whole bunch of different ways. And people, they see the message... They hear it. They even come into one of our services. They hear testimony. People get up here and they say, I used to be this way, but now I'm this way. And the same is available for you. They hear it. But just like Peter, they say, man, listen, I hear you. I'm tired. I'm tired. We've been, I've been toiling all night. I love this word toil. It's this old school word. It means we've been working hard, man. We've been giving up everything. I've tried everything. Not just once, not just twice, but all night. I'm tired. I'm tired. I've given it everything. Saying, listen, Jesus, I'm not being rude. I'm not being rude, but I'm being realistic. Have you heard people say that? Maybe you've said that before. Yeah, maybe you've said that before when you hear a sermon and you're like, oh, you know what, pastor, he's full of faith and he's excited and this and that. But that's that's for pastor. But I'm more realistic. I'm not being rude, but I'm just looking at the facts. I'm just looking at the facts. You don't understand my family. You don't understand my situation. You don't understand my background, my culture, the things that we've had to deal with. I hear what you're saying, but you don't get it. That's what Peter is saying to Simon here. I heard your sermon and it was good. It was hopeful. It even inspired me like a YouTube video that inspires me. But he says, listen, you don't know where I've come from. I'm tired. This word toiled in the Greek. In other translations, he says, we've worked hard. This word is kopeo in the Greek, which means to labor to the point of fatigue. To labor to the point of fatigue. I remember uh, when I first got saved as a teenage kid, I had no idea about anything about church. Uh, And then I got my first job and I get my first job as a laborer. And uh, it was hard work. Um, I, they treated me terribly. Uh, I was just a young guy and they said to me, listen, uh, what I want you to do is that pile of sand over there, 
I want you to shove it through the wheelbarrow and move that pile and move it over there. And uh, when the concrete comes in, I want you to carry, uh, I think there, were, there was one shipment of like 40 bags of concrete and they were 40 kilos each. I want you to carry these 40 kilo bags, 40 of them, up from the top level where the driveway is down to the bottom. And then they changed their minds and they said, no, actually we need to do it at the top. I mean, I remember working as a laborer and those days, it was just physically hard. I'd come home and my body was tired. And that's what Peter is saying here. He's saying, look, I'm tired. I've got nothing left to give. Some people, it's not physical, but it's emotional. It's spiritual even. It's God, I've believed you before and I've believed you again but I've been working all night and I'm tired. Some people, it's emotional. It's, you know what? You don't, you don't understand. It's not, it's not a physical thing, but the house that I have to live in, the people that I have to deal with, the past that I have to deal with, there's some emotional baggage there and I'm tired. Jesus, I hear you and I want that, but I'm tired. He says here, the root word kopeo is the same word in the Greek that meant to take a beating. I'm weary as though I've been beaten. Jesus uses the same word in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, when he utters these famous words, come to me, all who are weary, all who are kopeo and are heavy laden, those that are burdened, Come to me and I will give you rest. Hallelujah. You see, this is the miracle that Jesus said. You know what? You're tired just like Peter. uh, Emotionally, spiritually, uh, physically, whatever it would be. Uh, Come to me and I will give you rest. And when we hear those verses, we think that that's the call to a sinner. And absolutely it is, because how many know that out in the world, there is no rest? Out in the world, uh, you're just going from one beating to another, to another, to another, uh, emotionally, physically, spiritually, uh, in your relationships. It's like, when does this end? Jesus says, come to me, I'll give you rest. But the truth is that this verse and this promise is for all of us. Some of us, hallelujah, we've come out from that situation. God has done some miracles in our lives, turned some things around. But listen, we can get weary, tired, beaten. We need to find our rest in Jesus at his feet and in his presence. See, Peter says these words that maybe you've said before. I have worked all night and I've caught nothing. I've caught nothing. Have you ever looked back on a period of time or a situation and you looked back and you said, what do I even have to show for all that effort? Some of us, it was our school. (laughs) For me, school uh, was a waste of time. But I look back and I think, what did I waste my time on? Uh, back there. And that wasn't the school's fault. That was my fault. Uh, But what do I have to show for all this work? 
It never seemed to be enough. Remember the time when, when money, it was just, what do I have to show? When does this end? The money never seems to meet up. Uh, the love never seems to be there. Uh, I, try to, I try to be better. I try to give in my family and into relationships. And it never seems to come back. What more do I have to do? This is the cry that Peter is saying. I've worked all night. I've done everything that I can in the physical. I have worked my butt off. And maybe I'm, I can't say that word over the pulpit, but there you go. I have worked hard. I have worked hard. Maybe you tried in the past and you failed. Maybe you tried to break that addiction and you failed. Maybe you tried not to think like that anymore. Maybe you tried to forgive. Maybe you tried to witness. Maybe you tried church and it failed. What more do I have to do? You see, the tendency for us is to give up too soon. The tendency for us is just like these guys. It's like, I'm done. I'm done. I've given it a good shot. I went out the whole night. I've given it a good shot. I'm washing my net now. I'm done. Like, I've already hung up my net. It's drying. I'm good. Uh, I'm done. I'm, I'm giving up. Let me ask you, are you stuck in a rut? Sometimes we can get stuck in a rut. Uh, in the mud. I realize that Jesus is everything. Jesus changes everything. In 1869 in Australia, a fantastic story about a farmer uh, who the, he was in Queensland and the rain came in and he had to stop working. Uh, he had to stop working because the floods came and he wasn't able to farm his land anymore. And all he, all he could do was sit in his house and watch his wagon. Remember, it's 1869. Watch his wagon sink deeper and deeper and deeper into the mud. As the rain softened the ground, he's watching this thing and he's like, man, not only can I not get any work done, but now I have to watch my machinery sink and sink and sink into the mud. Man, when the rain stop, I'm going to have to go there. I'm going to have to waste time digging this thing up. And it was an inconvenience. It was frustrating. Eventually, the rain stopped. And this wagon had sunk so deep that it was stuck in a rut. The wheels were half covered up in mud and eventually the farmer, he started to dig this thing out. And as he eventually, after much effort and much toiling, he eventually pushes it out of the rut. And what he sees is that because the wagon had sunk so deep, the wheels had left this gauging, this massive rut in the mud. And what he saw there was some shiny little thing at the bottom of the rut. As he cleaned that up a little bit further, he digged a little bit further. And in 1869, the biggest single solid golden nugget ever was found at the bottom of a rut when he took the wagon out. 69 kilograms of pure gold, hallelujah, would be immeasurable in wealth today. And I tell that story to bring the parallel uh, that in our lives, what God wants to do is not every single a rut is hopeless. A God can bring the gold out of the rut. 
Sometimes it's in the rut. It's sometimes it's in the trial that things are revealed. And sometimes it's through our hardship that God does something in us. Let me look secondly with you at the crisis then. Because in verse 4, Jesus tells us, sorry, we looked at the crisis, at the command. In verse 4, Jesus says, launch out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. And just like the clip that we saw, here's Peter. I mean, I'm a fisherman. I heard you, preacher, but you're a preacher. I'm a fisherman. You do your thing. I'll do my thing. Uh, Trust me, this is my lake. I've worked this lake my whole life. This is my boat. This is my skill set. What you're telling me is ridiculous in the natural. Ridiculous. The facts, they don't match up. But again, God is showing us that God chooses what is ordinary to do the extraordinary. God uses the natural to do the supernatural. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said the necessity of human agency to catch fishes was miraculously was miraculous. Yet neither fisherman nor his boat nor his fishing tackle were ignored. But all were used to take the fishes. Such it is in the saving of souls. God works by means and by men. You see, what we have to do is just say, you know what, God, uh, the, the nets are ready. The boat is ready. Uh, if you could use this fisherman, I'm ready. How many times have you discounted yourself because you thought that you weren't ready or you didn't have the skill set? You see here, Peter, what, what is his response? He says, I'm frustrated. I'm confused. I don't like it. But look at these words. He says, nevertheless. So one day I'm going to preach a sermon on just that one word. Turn to your Bibles. Let's all read. Nevertheless. Done. Close your Bibles. That's a great idea for a sermon, actually. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Nevertheless. Nevertheless. Because that one word, nevertheless. So many times in the Bible, it's like, I'm presented with this, but nevertheless. Jesus himself says it uh, in Luke chapter 22, verse 42. When he's in the garden, about to be handed over, about to be crucified, he's praying, he says, Father, if there's another way. But then what does he say? He says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. David in Psalms 39 Verse 33, verse 9, he says, For he spoke and it was done. Nevertheless. You see, the word nevertheless says this, My circumstance will not dictate my obedience. Let me say that again. When you say nevertheless to God, say, you know what, God? I I have a, a stack of excuses I have a list of reasons why this will never work. I have a list of reasons why for my situation, I'm special and this. But you know what? Nevertheless, because my circumstances will not dictate my obedience. Nevertheless, God, I don't understand 
Nevertheless, God, I don't see the whole picture. I remember when I first came to church, and many of you were the same. When you first came to church and you were hearing preaching, I maybe on a good day, I got 5% of the sermon, 10% of the sermon. There were so many words in there that I'd never heard before. Right? There were so many words that I didn't understand. Uh, talking about Christian things that I, I, wasn't a, I wasn't brought up in church. I didn't understand. But I said, you know what, God? My obedience, nevertheless, God, I'm going to keep coming. And God, over time, he, he helped me to understand. He built me. He changed me. He transformed me from the inside out. You see, this is the question God asks us every time. Every time he asks us to cast our net again. And listen, we talk about casting our net and fishes in terms of catching souls uh, and going on outreach. And yes, that's one thing. But how many times has God challenged you? He says, you know what? I know you've done that before. I know you've prayed for that before. I know you've invited them before. But would you cast your net again? Would you cast your net again? In verse 6, the reward... It says, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Let me look thirdly with you then at the catch. Because we have Peter in crisis. We have Jesus' command. Then we have this miraculous catch. Now, many years ago, I'm sure I've told this story before, uh, but while my wife's not in the room, I can mention it again. Uh, many years ago, uh, my wife and I went fishing with some mates. And uh, embarrassingly now in 2021, I will admit that my wife is a better fisherman than I am. Uh, but back then, in her introduction to fishing, uh, we were fishing with some mates and we were rock fishing there in Sydney. And we're there and she's casting the line and different things and she loves it. I don't know what it is. She gets the worms all over her and likes killing them. Uh, but she's there, she's casting the line, she's doing the whole thing. And then the wind picks up and my mate Andrew, he's over here looking at the tackle box. And all of a sudden, me and him, we're talking face to face. Esther is over there where Keta is. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at him here and he's like, oh! And he pulls back like this and somehow Esther's cast back and the wind brought the hook and it caught Andrew in the mouth here. So as she went like this, he pulls back and he's got this hook and it was, it was a beautiful scene. <laughs> she never lived that down. Uh, now when she talks about fishing and I'm like, I'm not going with you. You know, it's like, you can go fishing on your own. Thank you very much. Uh, but it was a fantastic story. And that has nothing to do with my sermon. Uh, but I just, wanted, I just wanted the opportunity to say that story again. Hallelujah. But in verse 6, uh, when they had done this, they had caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Jesus bought a catch more than they had ever seen or expected. Think about this. This is not Peter's first time. This is not, uh, he's not just a casual fisherman. He's not just a, oh yeah, I've got some tricks and some spots that I go to. 
Uh, he's just, he's not like, oh, mate, can I borrow your boat to go out and do some fishing? Peter had his own boat. He had his own spot. This is his living. He supported his family with this. And yet Jesus comes in and he gets the biggest catch than he's ever seen in his life. More than they had ever seen or expected. Let me tell you that Jesus is showing us a principle here in the Bible. In Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, he says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask, think, or imagine. I want to tell you that some people, you come to church and, and you think, You know what, Jesus, I'm praying for this. Uh, and God, would you really do this? You know what, God wants to do much more than you could ever imagine. Much more than you could ever think of. We pray, oh God, would you bring in one person? Would you bring in that family? Would you bring in this? God wants to do far more than you can imagine. But he has a time and a place for his will. You see here in our text, they caught nothing all night. But then when they were by Jesus, Jesus had a time. It wasn't straight away. <laughs> Jesus could have done it when they first came in. It wasn't straight away. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to take your boat and I'm going to preach for a little bit. Then after he was done, it's, the Bible says in verse 1, now when these things had happened, then it was the right time. Let me tell you that God's timing doesn't always align with our timing. But it's their day now. And God brought a miracle. Look at verse 7. It says, So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. I mean, this is the promise that we hold on to every time we go on an impact team. <laughs> when we uh, put money behind something and drive five hours down to Napier... Uh, when we go on an impact team to wherever, we've been to Oduhu, to Papakura, to all these different places and help our other churches around and they come for us. The, again, this is a kingdom principle uh, that you can, can you invest in another man's ministry? Can you invest in another ministry? Because if you would come and partner with them to, to collect their fish, then you would have an overflow into your boat. Think about the partners here. They came running over James and John. Why James and John? Right? Think about James and John. They could have got ticked off and said, why Simon? Why did Simon get the big catch? You know, let him pick it up. But no, they said, we're going to come over here. We're going to help you with your catch. And then all of a sudden, uh, as a byproduct, their boats were filled. Hallelujah. Charles Spurgeon asked, what was the reason of this? Why were they not catching fish? Were they not fishermen plying their special calling? No, they were. They were raw and they understood the work. Had they not done the work skillfully? No. Had they been lazy? No. They said that they had toiled, they'd work hard. Did they lack perseverance? No, they worked all night. Was there a problem with the fish in the sea? Certainly not, because when the master came, they swam into the net. What then was the reason 
And the changing factor was it was because there is no power in the means of themselves apart from the presence of Jesus. It was when their boat had come near to Jesus. That's when the miracle happened. It was in the presence of Jesus. And we understand that without Him, we can do nothing. We understand that with Christ, we can do all things. Look at verse 10 in our text. After Peter comes, he kneels at Jesus' feet. says, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. Which is the right response, hallelujah. The right response that anybody should have at the feet of Jesus. In verse 10, Jesus says these words, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. In the book of Mark, when it tells the same story, he says, I will make you fishers of men. You used to catch fish. I will make you fishers of men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Let me finish with this. Because this is a mighty promise that Jesus holds out to Peter. He says, Peter, Peter, Peter. What you're seeing here, this is the beginning. Think about this. Think about this. Peter here, uh, later on in the Bible, we learned uh, that Peter had some debt. Uh, and we don't know much about his business. Maybe he, he was a bad businessman. Maybe he didn't work. Uh, but, he, but then think about that. And now, in the natural, he has everything he's ever wanted. In one second, he's come before Jesus. And Jesus, he's saying, you know what? You've seen more money. Fish wasn't just fish. Fish was money. You've seen more money come into your boat. I could take care of your family. I could take care of everything. But you know what I want you to do? Is I want you to leave all that. Follow me. Because I've got something much better for you. He's saying, this is the beginning. And so many times we can come to Christ. So many times uh, God can do a miracle in our lives. And we focus on that and we say, you know what? That's enough. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I remember there was a time when all I wanted to do was God help me. Help me not to be angry at my dad. (laughs) When I first came to Christ, that was my biggest struggle. God, help me not to be angry at my dad. And that was it for me. I thought, God, if you can help me not to be angry at my dad, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. I tell you, God took that miracle. Imagine I just stopped there. But God took that miracle and not only not only be angry, but then bring forgiveness, then be able to pray with my dad, then be able to lead him to Christ, then be able to forgive the things of the past. I tell you, a miracle happened, a much greater miracle happened. But I would have missed all of that if I was just looking at the fish. I would have missed all of that if I was just looking at the temporary, at the natural how many times do we frustratingly know uh, that people will come in uh, broken, addicted, uh, all of these things, and then they'll say, God, clean me up and help me to get a job. <laughs> and they do. And we never see them again. 
Because God cleans them up, gets them off the drugs, does this, does that, and brings them into some uh, respectable member of society. <laughs> they get a job. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I'm done. Why? Because they're just looking at the fish. And God's saying, there is so much more. Forget the fish. Forget the fish. Follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. I'll make you have influence not only in this life, but for eternity. I've got so much more for you than just what you see in the natural. God, help me with this bill. Help me with this family member. Help me with this. Yeah, God's going to do that. But I've got so much more for you in the supernatural. So my question to us here this morning is can you forsake your nets? Just like these. They said, you know what? Thank you, Jesus, for what you've given me and the blessings. But I submit all of those things that you've given me to you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put all of those things under your kingdom. God, I'm not living for the fish. I'm not living for the money, the money, the money. But I am living for something much higher. I'm living for something that you can do in and through me. If you would just obey his command. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads here this morning and pray.